Susanna and Brian from No Matter What Podcast and today we have our next guest for the Web Free episode, Janine, who is Web Free consultant and speaker. Hi Janine. Hello, glad to be here. Can can you please tell a little bit more about your background and how did you end up in the Web Free space? Absolutely. So originally I translated a book in 2017. I think as a psychic, I was a student traveling the world doing those kind of things. 2018 it might have been, and I was translating a book about Bitcoin. That was back in the day when the instructions to buy Bitcoin were that you need to go to like an ATM, like a Bitcoin ATM and put some cash in and those kind of things. And obviously plenty of things have happened ever since then. And then in 2022, I started engaging with the space more actively. And now I'm sitting at the intersection of a go-to-market marketing and products. So my main focus actually is building for mass adoption. So I focus on any product that somehow folds into onboarding the next billion users that can be NFTs, that can be DeFi products. I think DeFi products are the easiest because it's a relative easy USP to tell to someone else, like we make you more money who wouldn't want that. Uh, and those kind of, of areas and do some marketing. And yeah, and then I pop around conferences and talk about how to build better products so that we finally get more people into the space. That's cool. Uh, out of curiosity, what was the, the language you were translating to? I was translating from English to German, very basic. I think it's somewhere, if you Google it on Amazon, you find my name because I'm like listed as the translator. I think the title in English was something, what are the, what are the cool kids up to now or something like that? And then I tried to make something sensible of that in German. But it was very interesting because you learn so much just by translating passively and reading. And then I kind of just let it be there because I think the tone of the book was so negative as well. It was like, oh, it's all dangerous and um, the, the price is so volatile and so many people have lost money. And the, the famous example of the people who used Bitcoin to pay, to pay for pizza back in the day and those kind of things. So it scared people off more of the space than anything else. Um, so I guess in the end, that's our biggest problem anyway, is the PR that we have and the Despite me translating the book, I didn't understand the potential um, of the space and of Bitcoin for a longer time because I've only heard of the negatives, even through a book who was claiming to be an expert rather than the positives. And I think that's our, like, as a space, our outside PR, that's a really difficult challenge to convey where the benefits are while also being true to the fact that there is so much volatility and so much risk involved. And what do you say, like, the kind of... The field, the web-free field is very different in Germany compared to what we've seen in, like in the UK? No, I think, so I think Berlin is comparable to, to London and definitely very active. Besides that, it's just a lot more traditional, I would say. Um, I'm, I'm taking more of the stance now of like a digital asset investment fund um, perspective. So like Frankfurt is just, I, I prefer London or London or Berlin. They're just more up there in the in the startup space and in the let's do something. And Germany always had a problem with regulation. I remember I was taking uh, a non-web-free award for a startup I was briefly involved with in Berlin. And we were talking to the, I think, head of, she used to be involved in the German government and now she switched into an advisory role, trying to convince government to ease regulation, not only on crypto, but also on medical rules, because she said it is impossible for startups to innovate anything in Germany because the regulations are so tight and the cycles are so long that we never catch up. So you either need to do something illegal the whole time as a startup, at which point you have a hard chance getting funding or you will wait forever. And so in this case, Germany just, yeah, takes quite a long time to get regulation going and to get an understanding of what's going on 
with the regulators. I know that the UK is is in like a like a crossroad as well of where it is going, but I do perceive it as more willing to talk to industry and lower barriers to industry. Like so, they're more engaged. I remember at the Crypto AM summit a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to some to some MPs and we had a debate about CBDCs on stage with government officials there and actually like going forward haven't really heard of that in germany yet yeah, that's that's pretty positive for like the government in the uk thing being a bit more forward-looking i think even the current pm is pretty supportive of you know digital currencies assets things like that absolutely i think we have a unique chance there i'm not necessarily on the cheerleader board for cbdc's but just looking at the us being such a naysayer to to crypto and I think 2021, the crypto investment was like multiple trillions or so. Uh, that was just happening in the US. So that money needs to go somewhere. And if the US keeps on tightening regulation, that money will look for, for other avenues. And the UK is so similar. We already speak the same language. We have a similar culture fit and so on that I think that it makes a lot of sense to move regulation forward to something that's practical and clear right now in order to to like attract this kind of money and investment and the talent that comes with it rather than seeing it go to Estonia or Dubai or other places. But yeah, I'm not a regulator, so I can't can't do much about that. Actually just like thinking maybe it would be cool for the listeners to hear about what kind of projects have you participated in a like web free space so we can actually understand maybe Absolutely. So I think my my incubator which I think describes very good was was the DLT hub where I stumbled into a community and a governance role and driving that forward. But in the end at that space, I think the whole team, everyone who was involved from like the early days till the end team, there was a bit of movement in between. We all did everything at some point. It was from event organization to thinking about how do we reward volunteers to DAO structures to managing a co-working space to I remember hosting startup clinics this is how I slowly stepped into the consulting role for emerging but free startups all those kind of things and obviously I onboarded Friday that was an amazing time figuring out how do we grow this chat um, how do we grow this group also discuss, like leading the community in that sense of like talking to them figuring out what they want and i think at one point we were debating having a running group because somebody wanted to meet up at 9 a.m on a friday and go for a run in canary wharf and i was like fine let's do it let's see let's see if the people want it you know i uh, give it to the test so that was so so true to the sense of startup life that was like iterate and fail fast and just do it and see if it survives or not this is where i where like grew up, I would say, in the space. And then I had the chance to learn from many great people that came in and out of that out of that DLT hub space in Canary Wharf. And then I think I spoke the first time at NFT London and then moved a bit more into consultant work. I've helped run the marketing for the Ton Hackathon that was in the UK, part of the global hackathon. So you obviously helped around with the Athena Labs onboard conference. Then I have a couple of current clients that are under lock, help with Thurstyle. It was very interesting because that was, as most of the data I was in London realized at some point, it's very difficult to keep things for free in the long term. And it was it was easy in the bull market because you just got money anywhere and any 
NEL one was not doing anything and it wasn't really a problem. And then in this beer market, suddenly you were now tasked with how do we even pay rent because people were not that happy to just give you you the space for free anymore or how do we pay people because they also need to need to make money. So trying to figure out a business model that stays true to the tone of community first and we want to grow this for the community and want to be the point where people can come and they're really early on with their startup and they haven't raised yet and they can come and get that support and nurture and advice. But also we need to pay rent and we need to pay people. That was quite the interesting challenge that I enjoyed. And then the rest of the my knowledge comes from, I was a director of a VC fund in Amsterdam for a bit. Obviously, they got a lot of got a lot of knowledge from that. And then I worked in a couple of early stage startups, a couple of them backed by Entrepreneur First, just like these hyper growth scenes where you need to do everything and anything and still figure out product market fit is where I learned. It's the most, it's the most exciting ones. It's like, are we doing the right thing? Is this working? Nobody really knows. Is this going to be our end customer? We hope so. But yeah, so like a lot of, that's where I like felt my love for like A-B testing and data and those kind of things. Yeah, at the very beginning, it's more like the, the most exciting period because you're trying and going fast and yeah, hopefully it will succeed. Yeah, and I think from that, I then developed my opinion that I was, I was seeing a lot of Web3 products. I was like, this isn't, well, actually the product is good. Like you're, deep down what you're doing is good your design your ux is just so bad that you're just not gonna get much people and that was like that's fine for a product that from the beginning says we are crypto native we don't mind if it's super complicated because people understand because they know what wallets are and seed phrases and how everything works and what staking is and rewards and api and whatnot but if you really have this idea of like oh we want to onboard the masses because we want to want to get them involved as well. You just need to look more towards Web2 in terms of design principles and user experience and it needs to be easy and frictionless and seamless. Um, and I think I took that from my Web2 background and brought that into into the places where I worked where I was like, yeah, if if it involves more than like five clicks back and forth or sends me back and forth between like your website and Uniswap and then back there and back there, people are going to drop out. So yeah, that became my mission a bit. I think I've had this conversation a few times as well. I, I think it feels like one of the big flaws of the Web3 community is everyone tries to reinvent everything, but there were a lot of things that were already solved in Web2, and we just kept wanting to try something different anyway. So yeah, you know, UX Absolutely. is one of them. There's a lot of other like flows that didn't need to be reinvented, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I had a I had a deep discussion with her about with someone at some point was like learning from first principle is really amazing until you have a hack that could have been avoided because we've learned about this in ages ago and we just weren't willing to uh, to put that in. So I think also a lot of the market manipulation that we saw in the early days of the of the crypto DeFi area were like we had this in like the nineteen twenties or nine. 1930s in normal markets like we know how this works somebody just copied it um, but on the other hand maybe maybe they're right maybe we will find by trial and error and by chance a different response to the same problem just because we allow it to happen again and we allow our people to think about the problem from their own like time and space and knowledge and tools so i don't know we'll see we'll see in 10 years if it brought us anything or if we actually just ended up at the same point as we could have been if you would have just taken everything over that we knew already. I think uh, I want to go a little bit back what we've mentioned that it's kind of like getting harder right now, especially like after 
FTX for the Web3 field. Is it really hard for you as a Web3 marketing consultant as well to uh, show the positive aspects and still kind of like attract people to this field? How, how are you going around that? Yeah. Absolutely depends on your product and your ICP, which is the classic consultant answer as always, it depends. So I think FTX did a lot of bad things and obviously Celsius happened beforehand, but I think FTX ruptured the most into mainstream media and the most extreme. And you always need to think about an, a mainstream person that hasn't had contact with crypto before. And they look at any website, a MetaMask or Ledger or your yield aggregator website, and they have this fuzzy notion that somebody stole millions and people get hacked. And once you send a transaction, you can't undo it. And they don't any of the details. And suddenly you ask them to like copy your wallet address, which just looks like a, like a mal link to them. So from that perspective, I think it's become a bit more difficult to onboard new people into the space if you're not hand-holding hand them during, during the process. I'm very excited to see some wallet integrations that will be frictionless, seamless, We'll be offering custodial or non-custodial with a social sign and login and a 2FA recovery, maybe, and that's it. Like, I'll plug my email in and we're, we're done deal here. That's going to be a big step forward. Marketing-wise, I found it for a bit of a time. I think the market or the markets were down. Don't think that. We can all see that. And obviously, it was very difficult, especially after FTX, to convince people to buy into the next coin. And even to the next thing because we've just had Celsius go down with Luna, we had FTX, everybody was like, there's nothing here. And every time somebody promises something good, we'll all pay and pay the bill later or hold the bag. So in this case, I think Esquire Capital did something very interesting as a company I'm like following around for a bit because their go-to-market was, they came out just, I saw their go-to-market just after the FTX crash. They're tokenizing luxury hotels. So in theory, a classic web free project, and they just went like not on Twitter. They're like doubling down on Instagram and on very pretty ads, very focused on web two design principles in there and really focusing on everyone that's interested in investing, not necessarily crypto native, which I found a fascinating go to market because they decided to not fight in this red ocean of everyone on Twitter and everybody in specific telegram groups and trying to convince them with memes and hype that there's something going on there. They were trying to find new people interested in making new investments because while FTX was happening shortly after, we still had, during that time, we still had like inflation going up. We still had the energy crisis. We now had a couple of banks crashing. You get like zero to all interest on your normal bank. And yeah, so in that case, they played a very interesting game, which I think now, currently, I see more appetite in the market of people to go back to the classic marketing principles of noise and meme groups and Telegram private chats and discords, because I think we, as the space, have recovered a bit from the shock of FTX and it's becoming spring. And if Denver was did just happen and consensus is around the corner and investments have been made and people have been raising, so everything seems a bit more positive. I just wanted to dive a bit deeper into one of the points you made do you know if there's and like what, what kind of examples of companies that was doing all these things that you mentioned where they're starting to you know fall back into these i guess web 2 principles of how they attract mm -hmm. new users and do you how well do you i guess how well are they doing compared to 
like I said, standard web three approach? Uh, depends on what you're selling. So for Esquire, I'm still waiting for them to launch their official product. Uh, as far as I know from industry inside, they've sold out like their, their early members kind of private situation that they were selling. And then for other projects, I think it always depends. So a lot of web-free projects, unfortunately, are dependent on having web-free native or at least people who are willing to be web-free native because of the onboarding process. Just you're so reliant on having a good uh, wallet on and off-ramp if you want to attract people who aren't experienced with crypto that if you don't have a good company to cooperate um, there, you can't really, like there's no point in wasting that money to get them then what i would say is comparative to them what worked really really well was the activation that lacoste did a couple of weeks ago now i need to like go fuzzy in my memory because i was at a conference and hearing that talk at like international women's day or so during that week but what i remember with them i don't know the exact numbers is they did a whole like they did the whole nft spiel like at augment in combination with augmented reality and I think the outskirts of London, where people could then in the end, obviously collect their, their NFTs to their wallet. And you didn't really know that you had a wallet, like what this was, that this was a free technology, you just had your like magic link in your email and then be able to access that. And that worked incredible. I think they onboarded like six digit number people in one day into crypto basically. So that those kind of life experiences and tracking systems also work very well. What what do you say was your like the most exciting kind of not the project or development in the web free field over the last year? The most exciting. I think the one that I enjoyed most was running a side event for NFT London and the people that came. So that was one of the moments. I'm not sure if FTX crashed before or after, but I already knew that we were going like all the projections were that we're going in the bear market, but it was just the way the people related was so lovely and wonderful. It was such a good helpful spirit on that evening that i just really believed in the space and in that regard i know a lot of people are like oh the crash and we're all going to doomsday i don't think so i think the technology has so many benefits i think the use cases will move further away from turning nothing into a million dollar like i think we see less less 100x situations and less DeFi, and we will see more real application from verification of identity to yeah, op logistics operations, whether that is for agriculture or any consumer goods, and then obviously ticketing, those kind of things. And I'm actually very, very interested in, I'm not sure when this will happen, but when we'll be able to actually integrate wallets into normal payment structure. So the fact that we can settle payment instantly, that it's verif verifiable, like imagine if you get one official wallet address from from the government and you're able to let run your employment over it and it can like automate it with smart contract. You don't need to prove your working visa again or you have a national insurance number like it's there. You have not hide it behind zero knowledge proofs. You can turn around by the end of the year, especially for accounting and be like, this is everything that went in. This is everything that went out. Here are my taxes. You already know that those kind of things i think this will take probably a long long time because the government is very reluctant to use this technology at the moment but someday hopefully will be there and that would save so much time i think also like online proving that you have the right to receive this benefit or those kind of things would 
would be awesome if we can hide that behind zero knowledge proofs and empower the individual to own this data and this information. I think everyone who's you know worked abroad or studied abroad has been through this pain of having to prove everything to the bank or every institution that you know you're legally allowed to say Tell me you're an expert <laughs> before telling me you're an expert. Exactly. So. Oh. Yeah, like global passports or I don't know, something like that. I'm not sure if I want that or if I'm scared of it, because on the one hand, I think, yes, you could now verify that I'm actually not a dangerous person because I can verify that I've existed, you know, in this in country X beforehand. And on the other hand, I think that probably existing differences, unjust differences and power differences will just be amplified because now everything is even more traceable. And you just be out of principle because you come from like the global south denied to like entry or get that visa, which would be horrible. Yeah. It, it sounds pretty close to like a Black Mirror episode kind of thing where <laughs> they can almost yeah, predict I'm everything you're going to do with your background. <laughs> Definitely. I'm not yet convinced. So like I was obviously at this Crypto AM Summit and the government was, was doing very hard on their panel to convince us that the CBDC is sort of something good and I'm not yet. I'm not yet convinced they aren't completely evil, even if this government is not doing anything bad with it or the next one, just the fact that you could completely, like to a degree that even credit cards and our current digital banking system doesn't allow us, like track and block transactions, just have like an amount of observation power that wasn't known to, to the state beforehand. And so... We'll see. Maybe I'm just a bit of a of a naysayer and just like these people about the AI revolution being like, it's all going to kill us. CBDCs are all going to kill us. Maybe I'm a bit, maybe I'm a bit uh, irrational, but the thought of it doesn't make me feel too comfortable at the moment. What, what would you say are your hopes and predictions for your career and like the web free space in general in the next couple of years? Okay, my, my hopes and predictions for the space. My hope is that we will cover by the summer, but I think more realistically it's going to be next summer, not this summer, to go back into into the good times. My predictions for this year is I think we're going to see a two-way street. I think very boring stuff will be super successful, so anything kind of related to the infrastructure background that allows us to be quicker, safer, securer. I'm really hoping we're we're going to up our insurance game. Like if my credit card gets hacked, gets hacked, the bank pays for it. We need something similar in, in our space just to get the safety for the end consumer in that they can enter and have substantial amount of money involved in this. And then on the other hand, I'm really excited. And I think these will do very well in the summer if we don't have another scandal because then pe by then people have forgotten more about about FTX and all similar way. I will like interesting DeFi products or anything that does mass mass adoption, but I think DeFi is the easiest way into it. Token the classic tokenizations, the classic like maybe we'll do like yield aggregators or those kind of things. I think they will be doing very well if they rely on the right marketing strategy and if they focus on the right like the right ICP in that regard. And I'm excited to see that because that means just more people in the space, more people, more end users more no people on board it means more money circulating it means new injection of capital and also a new validity the more people the more people own wallets the more legit this technology becomes and the harder it becomes for the government to outlaw it so that's my hopes and predictions and then 
Yeah, I think that crypto might become part of the UK election cycle in the sense that either they'll both adapt it or we're going to have an either or fight situation where one is say this is the devil and the other say no this will bring new money new and new talent new innovation to the UK and we need to cherish it to the front and yeah that's going to be interesting to see how this plays out I think we're all looking forward to that future it's kind of like the point where all the web three dreams come true or you know web three starting to solve all the problems that we had <laughs> you always get new problems when you solve the old ones yeah. but I think it can do you a lot of good. Uh, yeah, starting with proper regulation is probably the first thing we need, and then we can see what good it can do. That's fair, All right? Um, and finally, I guess you know how how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? And do you have any last words you want to leave to our listeners? Absolutely, you can find me on LinkedIn mostly, which is just Janine Subgang, S U B G A N G, or on Twitter, and then send me a message. And I think on LinkedIn, there's also the link to my new website. If anybody needs some help with their strategy and go to market. We'll be sure to leave that in the episode description. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Thank you for much. having me. I hope to see you in person soon again at some event. Yeah. All the best. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.